Hey guys, this is Chargers running back Joshua Kelly, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. Much love. Aight. Here's what's coming up this week on the Charged Up Bolts podcast. Jam and toast tea. Delicious. This isn't really water in my cup, it's just my tears from Sunday. You disgust me, John Ayres, and I'm very jealous. Chargers football. What's better than that? A lot of things. Hello and welcome to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Bermudez, and on this podcast, we bring you the latest Chargers news, we preview and review every Chargers game, and we turn our attention to the off-season and all that amazing potential draft and free agent content that you really crave, like we do. Um, What are we doing this week? Well, we're reviewing the Patriots, we're going through all that morbidity after our historic defeat. Uh, we're going to try and get some positives. We're going to try and look forward to what we can enjoy and get excited about. But we aren't going to skip the anal- analysis of just what is going on after that dreadful game. 45-0. Terrible, terrible special teams. Never the right number of players on, on the field. Both are playing special teams. I just don't know. Uh, Herbert looked like a rookie, which, fair enough, the Patriots can do to you. Lynn had no clue. And I think it's the final nail in the coffin. I'm going to analyse it and to rip it to shreds with my two amazing co-hosts this evening. Uh, shout out to Dan, who can't be with us. I hope all's good with the baby, my friend. Um, but I'm joined by El Capitan John Was Jr. Hola, buenos dias. I was in a sour mood until we started recording this podcast and my mood's been lifted because despite our terrible record, we get to talk Chargers football. What's better than that? A lot of things (laughs) at the moment. (laughs) And uh, welcome, Mr. California this week, John Ayres. Good to be here. Good to be uh, talking with you guys. Unfortunately, not great to be talking Chargers right now. And not great to be looking at you uh, through the medium of video chat in the most incredible outfit I've ever seen. It's just, I think it needs to go out on Twitter so people can see it. Uh, to describe it for your listeners, and it makes me sick to have to do this, it's the beautiful, you know, Chargers Gold. I don't know, is there an official name for it? Sunset Yellow or something like that? Sun, I Sunshine Gold, I believe. Sunshine Gold Hat, the amazing powder blue with sunshine gold lapels on the side some amazing sunshine gold shorts you disgust me john Ayres, and i'm very jealous <laughs> <laughs> you know it's all about the brand my friend all about the brand well if we're gonna keep it on brand i hope you're you boys are drinking water and coffee because i will accept nothing less what you want was uh have you not seen my tweets today yorkshire tea's finest jam and toast tea delicious Jam All and toast tea. I am going to send you both a box so you can sample the delights. It's lo- it's nice. That genuinely sounds and, horrific. And, and, and if you're listening, Yorkshire Tea, Taylors of Harrogate, I've just tweeted you. Just send some money over to paypal.com. Pay for our next year's subscription. Thank you. <laughs> sounds fair. <laughs> I think all our American listeners are going, microwaving jam, jam tea. No! <laughs> Only one thing worse than Chargers special teams, microwave tea. Don't do it. We're going to get through to these people. Uh, John, what have you microwaved today? <laughs> uh, I'm actually just microwaving some water today for some nice cold water. It's very dry in California. I miss I miss all the humidity back back in uh, Costa Rica. 
So here's a question for you. I'm going to educate myself and some of the British and worldwide listeners we, we have. Um, can you get your water straight out of the tap in California or is it from the fridge in a bottle? I mean, you can, but I don't think anybody does. It's always it's always a fascination for for us Brits. You go on holiday, and everywhere I've ever been, you know, you've got to go bottled water, go and get it filtered. Whereas here in the UK, it's straight out of the tap, straight down your sponsored by was. That's yeah. that's just how we roll. For, where, where I come from, it's called council pop, which is basically city water. <laughs> council pop, that's right. Yeah, free corporation, corporation pop. Um, guys, I mean, wow. Number one, we have to review the Patriots. Do we really have to? Um, 45 and 0. Cam Newton didn't even try and throw. They just ran over us. They found every weakness our team has and exposed it. It was just embarrassing, wasn't it? I mean, are you crying? John? I mean, if I'm being completely honest, this isn't really water in my cup. It's just my tears from Sunday that I'm <laughs> drinking that I refrigerated. True story. I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, the special teams, as I said in the in the intro, never seemed to have the right number of men on the field. We always had 10 or 12. Then I'm looking going, why the hell is Bosa rushing the punter? Brilliant use of your amazingly funded, uh, paid um, defensive end. What is going on? You know, we thought we had a change from George Stewart. Didn't think it would get any worse. It got a whole lot worse. Um, we the kicker has no confidence, missing straight away. Despite the fact t- on Twitter it said that um, some of the, the press had observed him nailing them in in practice before the game. Gets into the game, has no has, has no ability to do so. So he's now Nate Cading 2.0, um, just a poor man's version. He then you know we've got Justin Herbert. I mean, if you go up against Belichick, his defenses will find you out and they will make you look as bad as you can be. We saw it with Rivers in the playoffs, didn't we? And then we have Herbert just looking atrocious. Um, and we just had no spark. The defence couldn't get any pressure. We, we could do nothing. And it was as bad as it could, it could get. And every decision was not a surprise because was um, before the game, Mr. Lynn said that it was a very big long shot, probably unlikely to get to the playoffs. That, and you, I think, predicted we were going to get blown out. Was that the reason? Is that what a coach does? It's not sending the right message, is it? Don't sit there and tell your players you haven't got a chance because the ones that are, are on the edge of losing their nerve have already lost it. This was a massive bloody walk into the bear trap. If you read my uh, post-game review on chargedupbolts.com, there was Coach Belichick, you know, setting Herbert up for a fall. He's this, he's that. And then, you know, certain sections of the Chargers media, oh, look at what Bill Belichick's saying about Justin Herbert. It's a trap. He, he's not doing it to be nice. He's doing it because he's, he's excellent at what he does. It's not just about coaching. It's the mind games. It's the preparation. And the fact that the Chargers walk straight into that trap is not surprising, but it's, it's, it is disappointing. You know what's coming? Lynn um, has been found out twice previous against uh, Belichick, once in the playoffs and then that horrible blowout at the uh, that silly little soccer stadium. You know, Th- this was coming. And I'm quite surprised, actually, that the Patriots didn't put up more th- than 45. Um, it's embarrassing. Our biggest loss in the team's history, that's on you, Coach Lynn. This is supposed to be our new home that's basically a free house for anybody that wants to roll in unless you're called the um the, the Jaguars. You know, it's just it's just wrong. Cam Newton 
he, he's still got ability, but we made him look like the MVP. You, you know, they're not, like, as you said, Bez, they're not throwing the football, they're running it. And we've really got problems because we've got problems on O-line. We've got, we've got problems now with on the pass rush because we've got to fill potentially Melvin Ingram's boots. And now at linebacker, we're unable to stop the the run. Um, and without stealing the sandwiches for next week's preview, that's going to be another problem. So it's just a catastrophe. And, and special teams, I mean, good Lord. Apparently, Coach Lynn's now going to take over special teams. Well, he's got enough on his plate and he can't manage what he's got. So now he's eating a 72-pound steak and now he wants an extra five sides of mash and, and two gallons of Coke to swill it down with. Well, that's even worse. So you're not telling me that there's not any coaching staff either in the building or on the unemployed bloody uh, roster that can't come in and, and take over some of those duties. And if Lynn is going at the end of the season, well, let's let's just do a bit of um, patching up. Let's get a bit of pride. We've already said that we don't want us to lose every week. Yeah, we might end up with a, a, a top three draft pick at this period, but... Nobody wants to stay up and watching the Chargers getting blown out like that. It's just, it's just, we are the laughing stock of the league. Forget the Jets. The Jets are just a bad football team. How on earth do you put all that talent on the field, bearing in mind that Justin Herbert's been outstanding behind that fragile O line, and come away from that game without scoring a field goal? You know, at least score a field goal. Uh, you know, at least put in a touchdown. We've got, you know, we've got Keenan Allen. Um, about to break the uh, all-time record for receptions over 100 uh, games. And we come away with zip. It's disgusting. You know, it's absolutely disgusting. Well, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I think, you know, first and foremost, I think this game was, yes, it was all about how much better Bill Belichick is and how much worse Anthony Lynn is as a coach. I think that was on display, full display. And I think part of it is, you know, Belichick dialed it up a defense that he knew would be effective. He said, look, I'm going to drop to cover two. I'm going to make sure I have plenty of traffic in the middle of the field uh, to get rid of kind of those intermediate crossing type routes that, you know, they, that um, you've got Hunter Henry and Mike Williams and all them kind of feasting on as well if the, if the deep route isn't there. And uh, I'm going to do that to you. And I'm only going to rush three or four, uh, but still it's going to look like I'm rushing six guys on every play. So, I mean, yes – he did a great job confusing Justin Herbert. But at the end of the day, I think that the biggest issue is that the Chargers were unable to say, hey, they've obviously figured out what our offense is designed to do, so we're going to make changes. And that's that's what kills me. Like They were just incapable of making any kind of in-game change, any kind of scheme change to say, hey, this is obviously not working. Is there something else we can do? Because it's not like the, the Patriots are throwing out some crazy exotic blitz defense. It's not like they're they're rushing a bunch of guys. They're literally just sitting back and saying, look, we know what you want to do. We're going to stop what you want to do. You know, you're going to have to do something else. And the Chargers are just incapable of doing anything else. And that's my biggest problem with the staff is that maybe they have great game plans coming in. And that's why we see such good first halves. But when things change and they need to adjust, they are incapable of making those adjustments. The second thing that I think really stood out to me, besides obviously the offensive line just being an atrocious unit that just needs to be completely overhauled, um, is the mismanagement of Justin Herbert at the end of that game. I mean, nothing was upsetting me more than being down by 40 points and Herbert continuously getting thrown out there to keep playing. 
I don't care if Herbert said he wanted to be out there with his teammates. I don't care if Herbert is is a competitor. That's great. That's what he's supposed to be. As the head coach, your job is to say, "Look, rookie, this game this game is over. You know, there's there's nothing for you to get out there because we're not getting any positive yardage. We're not able to protect you at all. You know, so once you take a seat and we'll, fi- we'll you know we'll throw a tie rod in there, we'll throw stick in there, whatever." And let them finish out the last five minutes, six minutes of the game. Like there was honestly no excuse for Herbert being out there. And I don't care if Herbert wants to be out there. He should want to be out there. It's the coach's job to say, I'm going to protect the biggest asset on my team. And I'm going to take him out. I mean, for God's sakes, he tried to validate weeks ago when they had those Austin stick packages for absolutely no reason that they were just put in there to protect the quarterback. Well, where's your quarterback protection when you've got no you're getting no protection on him from the offensive line, but you're continuously putting him out there. It's just, that's what pissed me off the most about this game. Uh, besides the special teams, besides the fact that they couldn't even muster up a freaking field goal, which again, that's, you know, what are you going to do? You can't kick field goals anyways, but it just, I getting shut out 45 to nothing by a mediocre Pat- Patriots team is, is unacceptable. I mean, this is not the Tom Brady led Patriots team of the past. This is a mediocre, you know, they just made it to 500. Thanks to that loss. Uh, thanks to the Chargers uh, losing to them. Um, they just made it to 500, and they're barely a 500 team. And if they sneak into the playoffs, it would be amazing for them, but I doubt it. They're just not a good team, but the Chargers showed that they're even worse. And that's pretty pathetic because I think if you stacked up the rosters, roster to roster, it'd be pretty easy to see that the even even with all the injuries, the talent that the Chargers had were just completely, completely better. I think if there's one positive for me, it's got to be Kenneth Murray. I mean, the reports came out today that Nick Vigil was handling some of the play calling, some of the huddles, and they were just allowing um, allowing Murray to kind of be himself. And to me, that is just a kind of a, yeah, he's a rookie. And I'm great. I'm, I'm glad that you drafted him in the first round and you think he's so great. They threw too much responsibility on him too quickly, and they didn't have the talent around him to bail him out. I mean, if... if if Tranquil's out there, if everybody's healthy, if if Derwin James is out there, yeah, maybe let the rookie try to try to you know take his lumps out there because you've got that backup, that talent around him to kind of pick him up. He has obviously been slow to react. He's obviously had a trouble diagnosing plays. He's obviously having tr- he, he's playing timid out there because you're asking him to do too much. He's a rookie. Give him a break. After a first few games of him showing that timidness, they should have said, "You know what? This isn't working. Let's find someone else to handle this part of the job. Let him be. Let him make plays, get some confidence, and let him learn on the job before we put all that responsibility back on him." So what did they do this game? They took all that responsibility off him and just said, "Hey, you know, just, you know, just do your job and play like you're like you played back in college." And guess what happened? He played lights out. He had an emergence. So yeah. my hope is that they've learned from this and that this will be the new trend moving forward. <laughs> A sack and two tackles for loss but John just going back to your point on, on Lynn forget the fact that we got blown out we got shut out okay sometimes you just get in a hole and things are out of your control but what was in his control was taking Justin Herbert off the field send him into the locker room listen buddy you don't need to see this just just go away reset for next week quote here from uh, Daniel Popper's Twitter Uh, Anthony Lynn, I didn't want to pull him out when things were getting bad. I wanted him to be able to play through it and turn things around. That was the main reason. The thought did cross my mind, but I left him in. You're not going to turn it around. Any, you know, anybody off the street who's never watched a game knew that the Chargers weren't going to win that football uh, matchup. So why keep the rookie in there? 
Joey Bose has come out and said, hasn't he? You know, this is going to affect some guys. I'm not saying that it's going to affect Justin Herbert in a negative way, but it's going to hurt his confidence. And Sundays, when he, we need to see the entire team bouncing back. If we get blown out on Sunday, some of this is a fallout of, of that Patriots shutout. If we get beat by the Patriots 35-28, well, so what? We've lost another game, but at least the offense has bounced back with a bit of confidence. But that's unacceptable, that coach, Lynn. And you want to hang your, hold your head in shame because you should have pulled him out and stuck Easton Stick in there or, or Tyrod. That's on you. Wait. It's just another example of his inexperience and inability to make decisions under pressure. Now, I have had a question, and I'll link it into this conversation we're having now, because Brandon at Twitter wants to know, why hasn't Lynn been fired yet? And I think what I will say as part of this discussion is, add to that, you know, he has huge names out of this football team. And I'm putting myself in Tom Telesco's loyal shoes as what excuses will he come up with when he keeps Anthony in for next year? Covid plus ridiculous injuries. Now you know that we all know that the the coaching decisions are tragic. Covid and injuries aside, the decisions don't win football games. So you know, ans- answering Brandon John, why hasn't Lim been fired? And you know, what's going to happen next season? Is he, is Tom Telesco going to come up with his excuses? Would the team be better with the players that are missing? I don't. I mean. The Chargers just have such a history of not firing head coaches in season that I just don't think, I mean, at this point, he's not going to be fired for the rest of the season. One, there's only a few games left. Two, if you're not going to fire somebody after an abysmal game like that against New England, you're not going to fire them for anything. I I guess the only thing that could get him fired is if Herbert goes down but with injury. Uh, At that point, it's too late. Um, But... I, I think they let him ride out. I mean, I, honestly, I think there's a loyalty there. I think there's just a, hey, everybody likes him, and there's a lot of respect, and the players like him and respect him. So, you know, I think he gets the opportunity to, um, you know, to play out the rest of the season. But, I mean, there's just – my fear is that they rattle off a few games. Like, they, they win three of their last four and show some spark. And, you know, that, that management is just looking for an excuse – to keep him around right like firing him basically just says look he's done he's got no chance he's out but leaving him around leaves open that possibility where they're like look you know like like john had said it, it, there's covid there's injuries like you know we, we got to bring him back you know you know for some reason or whatever excuses and it's starting to feel like they're looking for excuses to keep him um, even though it's very obvious that they shouldn't. And my hope is that there has been so much negative media around what's going on with Lynn and around what's going on with this team that they can't just sit there and pretend to ignore it. Because at the end of the day, this was supposed to be their inaugural season in SoFi. It wasn't. It's going to be next year. And do you really want to have your inaugural season coming in with a coach that everybody feels is one of the worst in the league, because as much as people like and respect Anthony Lynn, I don't know if there's anyone left who thinks he's a good head coach. And that's just my fears that they're going to hopefully see him put together a few games at the end of the season and go, look, just give him one more shot, give him one more shot and then waste another year of Herbert. That's my fear. Well, if you put yourself in the shoes of some of the free agents that are umming and ahhing whether to sign a renewal with the existing franchise or hit the open market. Are you really sat there having a conversation with your agents thinking, I want to join the Chargers, they might have Anthony Lynn? No one's saying that. Keeping Anthony Lynn keeps the 
infection he's brought to our team developing, making us worse. It, it lets the, the, the players not be accountable and it puts off a bunch of free agents who are making plans right now. And that is what they're doing. They're all having those conversations. So, you know, he is going to have a double negative effect because Tom Telesco wants to see like a, seem like a nice guy and keep around his nice guy who is throttling this franchise to death. I'll tell you what, what? needs to happen here right now. Forget Tom Telesco. The Spanos family needs to conduct a climate review. How do you do that? You get all the players in a room with no coaches and you allow everybody from the rookies to the senior pros and captains to have their voice. Because there'll be something going on there, potentially with the coaching staff, that's that's irritating folk. There might be an element of micromanagement, you know, not treating people like adults. And those little things can become uh, caustic and, and poisonous, and it can start to erode away at the, the cohesion amongst the unit. It's, it, it's basic leadership. And I think you've got to get to the root cause of what these issues are. Um, you know, we've, we, if Coach Lynn is respected, you know, people respect people. But uh, in the same token, it's like, well, I'd rather not be playing for you because I don't know. We, we've heard stories, haven't we, uh, in, in, in soccer clubs where they, they've banned ketchup and, and, and mayonnaise. And it's really um, pissed the, the, the team off. <laughs> and silly little things like that start affecting performance. But the bottom line is, Get to the root of the problem. Is it the coaches? Is is there a conflict of interest? Is there a clash of personalities? You look at teams like uh, the Browns who've been awful for years. All of a sudden, it's clicked. It's got nothing to do with all of a sudden that Miles Garrett and and Baker Mayfield are playing any better than they did last season. You know, you've got Freddie Kitchens has gone. You've got a new offensive coach in there. There's cohesion. There's team spirit. And once you've got team spirit, magic happens. And and that's possibly what's missing within the Chargers locker room. I don't know who's got respect for who, who who doesn't like who. You know, you all all these hear these stories where they've had to split X and Y up because they can't get on in the locker room. It's 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 Telesco might be too close to Lynn and some of the players. You you've got to step back. Even if Spanos uh, the, the Spanos family bring in somebody um, who's neutral to conduct that climate review and get to the truth where players can speak up without risk of getting fired or sat on the sideline like Des King. I mean, that- well, there's, a ma- there's a major problem you've got right there. Have you not seen the news this week on Pat McAfee's uh, show? Um, he says that Anthony Lynn, Tom Telesco and co, but led by Anthony Lynn mainly, don't talk to the team. So if you imagine a really well, there you good go. Coach, that's it. That's you've it. seen, you've seen the film. I can't remember what it's called, but you've seen the film. Like the guy historically standing up, delivering an amazing speech. You know that the greatest coaches in history stand up and inspire their team. Apparently, Anthony Lynn no expects them to do their job and says nothing to them whatsoever. No. So if you expect Spanos or anyone in the franchise to go and care what a single player thinks, get out of here. I tell you what, Tom Telesco. Or Spanos, if you're listening, get me over that building. I'll show you how to build ethos and team spirit. I'll, I'll do it for fifty thousand dollars. It'll be a lot you've better than a, what it is now. You've got a closer job to do. Go and fix Sheffield Wednesday, but that's a different. Forget place. that. <laughs> They're just garbage. Um, but to answer your question, Brandon, it's a disgrace. You know, I think we need to get this disease out of our club, uh, and I don't say that lightly. You know, I loved Anthony Lynn. I think he's a leader of men. I think it would be so easy to make excuses about COVID and injuries and. 
Oh, rookie QB. You could make any any excuse you wish. But he has made fundamental disgusting errors that are losing us games, losing our players' confidence. And everything that's coming out of that stadium, of that team facility now, highlights that Anthony Lynn is out of his depth and he is... He is what was the word that was said on, on the McAfee show? He is a overqualified gym teacher. Um, so I'm sorry he hasn't been fired. I worry that he will not be fired. But Brandon, he should have been. Um, and it's only this lingering sense of loyalty in this franchise that keeps him in our team. Um, and which needs to go. We need to be more ruthless. My, my other take on this is that potentially the, the Chargers have got somebody lined up in, in 2021. It's like, well, there's, there's no point in bringing somebody else in just for Herbert uh, and obviously Joey Bosch on defence to learn another scheme for the sake of four or five weeks. That, that's a plausible scenario. Like John says, we, we seldom get rid of uh, head coaches midway through the season. Just got to wait. Yeah, and see. I mean, they're just, they're just not an organisation that's that's big on you know big public like things like that like they don't they they tend to try to handle things you know in their own locker room behind closed doors so firing lynn would have would at any if they had fired lynn after week eight it still would have had zero effect on the season and you're not going to go hire a new coach because everybody's either currently playing or locked into a contract that you can't even interview anybody so you're not bringing anyone external you're just bringing internal people up and I don't know if that does anybody any good. So, you know, I mean, from a from an optics standpoint, I'm sure it would be great for their organization to fire him and say, look, you know, we just don't accept mediocrity. And I get that. But there's also an argument to be said, look, they're trying not to embarrass him publicly. They like him. They want him to be able to get a job elsewhere. So they're just going to let him coach it out the rest of the season. You know, again, up until, like, I was all about fire Lynn whenever. As long as he gets fired, I don't really care that much. doesn't have to be in season. Uh, up until that last six minutes of the game where he left Herbert out to dry. Because that, let me tell you what. Nothing is going to piss me off more than if Herbert gets hurt and has to miss any time next season because Lynn and his pride. If that happens, I mean, there's going to be riots. So, you know, short of, of, of Herbert getting injured, there's really nothing that's going to make me go, well, they should have fired him in season. You know, whether they have a, a candidate lined up or not, I don't know if that's true or not. Again, if they do, that's probably illegal um, because you can't actually have talked to anybody legally yeah. right now. Not even college coaches. You can't talk to them right now. So um, if they have some backroom deal, great, but they don't. Tom Telesco is an above board guy. He's not the kind of guy that does stuff, you know that's kind of like against any rules. So I don't think they have anybody lined up, but that doesn't mean they can't get a good candidate. I mean, nobody can hire coaches until the season, until the season ends. So like you're not at any competitive disadvantage or advantage by firing. Now, you know, all the coaches, all the free agents, they're going to wait to see what happens with the team. Traditionally, the chargers like to wait till January to fire their coaches. Um, well, late, early, late December, early January, um, so that they can then hire a coach in late January, early February for the, for the draft. So that's what I expect. I expect to see something come out, probably not right after the season ends, probably sometime around January. And again, I don't know when the exact season ends this year. Um, but I expect him to probably be fired in January, assuming there's not a candidate that they really want that they're worried about not getting then they might fire him right away. So we'll I, see. But. I really wouldn't be surprised if Lynn is a head coach in September next year for, for week one. Nor would I be surprised if Tom Telesco was fired. You know, nothing would actually surprise me whatsoever, regardless of what we want. You know, and now Tom Telesco's starting to, his seat's starting to get warm. Okay. And, and if he gets it wrong in the draft this year, which is a lottery, you know, 
it's going to get even warmer, isn't it? So watch his space. Well, it's make or break for him. Um, there's something else that's make or break. Sammy on Twitter asks us, uh, and this might well be a question that is too big for even the minds of us podcast uh, commentators. What do we need to do to fix our O-line? Um, there's a lot of talk on Twitter that we're going to trade up now for Sewell or hope he falls to us or hope we get the third pick and two QBs go ahead and we take him. Uh, and I know we've talked a little bit about this and, and John, you've talked about the elite level of play uh, that you take Sewell all day long and I disagreed and I said drafting a little further back, picking up picks and fixing your secondary is more important. Um, I just don't think one left tackle fixes the problems we have on this O-line. I think we need a centre in free agency. I think we need Lamp to go because his performance against the Patriots was embarrassing. I think we have injury problems with Turner and Balaga that need addressing. Um, and then you've got to turn your attention to the most important position of left tackle. Um, you're going to tell me different, aren't you, John? So I'm going to tell you this. I am 100% against the idea of trading up for Penesul. Yes, he is a generational talent at that position. Yes, I am passing up on... I think he's better than any of the left tackle prospects that were in uh, the draft last year. So, I mean... Not that I would ever pass up on quarterback, but I'd pass up. I'd probably pass up an elite Ed rusher to get Sewell, just because I think the the left tackle is such such an important position, and it is such a bad. We're in such a bad situation. So saying all that, though, I would one hundred percent draft Penny Sewell if we have the number three pick, because the first two picks are going to go to teams who need a quarterback, which means Penny Sewell is going to go number three to either the Bengals, the Cowboys, us, or some other team that somehow manages to jump to that third spot who needs a, a, a tackle. So if they are not in the number three position and they're not able to get Sewell, they should not trade for him. They should trade back because there is such a big drop off in talent at the left tackle position at that point that if you cannot get a generational talent like Sewell, who I think is day one starter, who I think is a no questions bona fide all pro left tackle for almost his entire career. I, I truly believe that about Penny Sewell. I am drinking the, the Kool-Aid. I am making the Kool-Aid. I am selling like I'm doing everything about this Kool-Aid that I can. I mean, I'm dressing in the Kool-Aid suit, busting through, dressing through draft conversations online going, oh yeah, draft Penny. Like that's how all in I am on Penny Sewell. But again, oh, he is all in. The chances are, he is, we're not going to be in a position to get him. I don't think they're going to jump the Bengals. I don't even know if they're going to be able to jump the Cowboys at this point. We will see um, because there's there's an outside chance that they beat the Falcons, which would be really stupid, but they probably will. Um, so I don't know. I just don't think they're getting Sewell. And at that point, they should trade back because I agree. There's so much that needs to be handled that if they can trade back and pick up an extra second-round pick and maybe an extra second or first-round pick next year or whatever so they can trade back with a QB needy team who's in that you know range where they don't think they're going to get one of their guys – um, they got to do that all day long because they just need they need to draft a tackle. They need to draft uh, at least one guard. And I think they need to go out and sign um, another off interior offensive lineman, whether it's a guard or a center, you know, depending on who they're able to draft, you know, the second round. So that's just my opinion. No, I like it. You fixed the O-line. It's incredible. And we won a Super Bowl. Was can you do better? I think the first one is to look at, what we've got and, and work out why we've got all these injuries. Now, if you look at Brian Balaga, uh, a very capable tackle, but it is his entire professional career. He's only played three seasons of 16 games or more. 
So straight away, he, he's come with a questionable injury record, which hasn't helped and it hasn't led to any consistency. I, I don't think our current offensive tackles are good enough to rotate weekly and fit into that front five without some sort of communication issues or or breakdowns. Um, so that that's the first thing is you, you know we, we've. We we dra- we draft uh, sorry we signed Balaga with good intent but he's had issues Trey Turner's had issues so we could look at the free agency market again and that could determine what our strategy is in the draft I mean coming up um, Trent Williams thirty three year old from San Francisco uh, left tackle will the Forty Nine ers re-sign him arguably um, it, it's something that we could look at or or elsewhere. But 100%, without drafting up for Sewell, if he's on the board, we have to take him. It's as simple as that. We can't afford to give up uh, such a generational player as he. So, uh, But I expect the general manager to be quite aggressive in the, uh, in, in the 2021 draft to fix the, the O-line. But the, the problem is we've got to sort out pass rush. You know, we, we've, got, we've got problems all over the place. Uh, our secondary is not being played well. It's oh, but the primary for me is the uh, offensive line and that left tackle position. Well, we've got our quarterback now. You build an offensive line. Yeah. Usually, teams yeah. do that before they go to the draft. But I mean, we couldn't turn down the opportunity to get Herbert. So fair enough. Um, I still think we're in rebuild mode, but we have a general manager playing uh, an off season for his life because his career is on the line. Um, so I agree. I think he's going to be aggressive. I think he goes out and signs some free agents. Um, he spends... I, I've got my eye on uh, the centre. Patriots have got uh, Andrews. I've got... Um, yeah. David like, Andrews is a guy I've, I've talked about before. I think there's a chance he had surgery, so he's you know he went down. Their backup centre has been playing really well for them. So you know the Patriots are definitely a very good team of saying, hey, if we don't need to pay somebody... Why are we? And if they feel comfortable with the center that, that's taking over for Andrews right now, I could see them letting him walk. And that would be, to me, you know, a, a, an offensive lineman who's under 30, which is important, um, who can anchor uh, the offensive line at center. I think that would be a big deal. You know, and I know Bulaga and Turner have been kind of a disappointment this year, but I actually do think that the two of them can turn it around. I do have faith. I, I mean, I, I watched the film and I watched the tape of them before, and, you know, they're impressive. And I, I think Turner is going to have a better year next year. I think he just – I think just everything kind of – I think it was just one of those years to forget for him. So I think Turner is going to be fine at right guard, and I think Bulaga will be fine for at least one yeah. more year at right tackle. So I think they just need to go get themselves a, a left tackle, figure out what they're going to do at left guard, and my hope is get a veteran center to anchor the offensive line for the next five years. On Balaga as well, listen to his pressers. The guy speaks really, really well. And I, and I think he's a natural leader in the locker room. And, and he's certainly worth keeping around for another year. But, uh, you know, we're going to have a lot of uh, draft capital, uh, you know, next next year, aren't we? With, with the fact that we've got, we, we can basically pick the cream of the crop. And if you start looking at the players that are in uh, enter free agency, Mike Pouncey, he's on around just over $9 million a year. I'm guessing we're not going to re-sign him. So we've got the, uh, we've got the money to go out and, and, and sign players uh, in, in free agency as well. So plenty of tools in the locker there for the general manager, but let's just see how it pans out. I think it's quite an interesting scenario that we find ourselves in. Uh, lots of opportunities. He's just got to get the right blend. Well, 
you know, listeners, we have, do have uh, some off-season content coming. It's going to be uh, fast and furious up to the run of the off-season. But I think we've got a very early preview of the NFL draft coming up in the next couple of weeks over the Christmas period for you um, to give us something to look forward to because we've not got playoff football um, coming to Los Angeles for the Chargers. Now, I hope that fixes the O-line for you um, and we uh, can protect Herbert better. But I want to turn our attention to more pressing matters. Um, the game against the Falcons. You know, We thought it was bad a few years ago when we were choking away 98% probability of win games under Mike McCoy. The close games we lose under Lynn. The Falcons have almost tried to outdo us this season by losing in the most impossible ways. They, they, I think they've studied too much Chargers film from the Mike McCoy era. Um, <laughs> and they managed to, <laughs> managed to almost outdo us. So that game's coming up. Uh, do we even want to win it? And, you know, can we win it? Because I think the Falcons, like us, are playing below their overall ability. Um, John, what are your thoughts? So I think, uh, and I think Waz was kind of talking about this uh, a little bit ago, in that something to watch out for are players potentially not playing to their full capacity. I have, uh, you know, it looked like it, against New England. It looked like there was a lot of players who just gave up and who are just out there to collect their check. I know Bosa kind of called them out without calling anybody out by saying he knows he'll play at 100%, but he's not sure if anybody else will, you know, who else will. And I think that's indicative of what we're going to see moving forward. So I personally, I, I don't understand what's going on with the Falcons right now. I don't know if they're playing, you know, they, they've, they've played some pretty decent games, so I don't know if they're all trying hard or not or what's going on, but I do believe that the Falcons will come in maybe more motivated than the Chargers because I don't think they have anything to play for. Um, and I think that uh, it's going to be another loss. Uh, I'm hoping not an embarrassing 45 to nothing loss, but at this point, nothing would surprise me. Literally nothing would surprise me with this team. And so I'm just going to go in it with some cautious optimism that maybe they'll keep it close. Maybe they'll at least make it entertaining. Uh, I'll be looking for record book stuff. Like I'm hoping that Herbert can get another 300 yard game in there, throw for multiple touchdowns. I hope um, Allen can pass. Uh, I think he needs what four or six more receptions to make himself uh, the top um, most receptions in the first hundred games by a wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, I'm going to be rooting for that. So at this point, I'm just rooting for record book stuff for our guys. Um, you know, hopefully Herbert can go out, have a good game and really help cement himself as the offensive rookie of the year. Um, that's what I'm looking for. Oh, and for everybody to stay healthy. That's the other thing. Um, but uh, otherwise the there's really not a lot of, yes, the most important <laughs> thing. Uh, otherwise there's just not a whole lot that I'm really excited to watch for on Sunday. Well, I'm going to, uh, Get some energy into this podcast. I'm going to bring some positives and we're going to go and look at the Patriots positives that we hope will continue into the Falcons game. Um, the first thing I'm looking forward to seeing is uh, Murray continuing his outbreak. Uh, wow. Where did he come from? He was a first round pick and I think he's been, you know, you always have to be careful with expectations. Getting a player to play 16 games as a starter is actually pretty good for any player drafted in any position. Um, but I think we had a very high expectations um, for the guy coming in. And he's played mm, not quite up to some of the high levels we had until the Patriots game. He was the best player on the pitch. He came out like a rocket. He was hungry. He wanted to absolutely destroy every player he tackled. He came up on the stat sheet 
And I was like, wow, that's the guy we drafted. And I can't wait to see him this weekend against the Falcons. I think he's going to play a major part. And we finally got our guy in that position. Um, is he the only positive for you, Was Are you looking forward to seeing him? And what other things are you Let me talk about the Falcons first. And then I'll give you three observations that I want from the Chargers. Or, or three wishes, if you like. So Raheem Morris is, is on a winning record from taking over from Dan Quinn. They've got... I think they've still got a mathematical chance of, of reached the playoffs at four and eight, but it's very doubtful. We, we've got issues on the coaching. Um, the Falcons will enter 2021 with a new head coach and a new GM. Now, Dirk Cotter's having problems with the offense as well. Uh, Matt Ryan has been sacked 31 uh, times. So there's, there's issues there with their offensive line. Um, and who, does it look like Julio Jones is going to play? which could be um, a bonus for our secondary. But special teams is where Falcons are getting it done. Remember that little uh, little guy, Koo? Yeah, he's he's on fire at the minute. I think he's 32 out of 33 or something daft like this this season on, on field goals. He's on a hot streak, unlike Mike B, who's 17 or 24. So... The, the Falcons, the last three games, they had that great win over the Raiders, an absolute blowout that was sandwiched between two defeats against the Saints. So so they're up and down, but the Raiders have had some good wins this season, but clearly the Falcons put them to the sword. I fully expect the Falcons to win this game, but this is what I want to see from the Chargers. I want to see Justin Herbert bouncing back for his own sake. 300-yard game with a couple of uh, passing touchdowns. I would like to see... Kenneth Murray continue and build on that game against the, the Patriots. Maybe get another couple of quarterback hits. Maybe get a tackle for loss. And, and a plus of a, a sack. And I'd like to see Joe Bosa have another game. Because I just think he's a, he's a, he's a dude. He's, the guy is phenomenal. You know, let's just see if some of our uh, players can just bounce back and have a positive effect on the game. Even if we lose, they've got the ability to bounce back. They're not hiding in the shadows, but Herbert's a big question for me. Can he rebound from that horrendous team performance on Sunday? Um, and if, and if, if we can get that, you know, we might stand a chance of winning a divisional game for the first time since, I don't know, before uh, the First World War or something, Daft, because that's how long it seems. <laughs> yeah, I'll believe that when Ridiculous. I see it. Ridiculous! Come on! You know, let's 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 just be competitive. Let's get out there. Let's put some points on the board. Mike B's confidence is shot to bits. Oh, and we need oh, somebody. We need, <laughs> we, uh, who's the quality uh, controller for special teams? Just count the players on the pitch, please. Do we have? It's going to be Anthony Lynn on Sunday, well, so we'll see. Lynn's biting off more than he can chew. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Oh, mate, it's okay. I mean, he's he's got his he's timekeeping in order. Oh. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's oh god, can you imagine? Uh, just he one is, more thing to, for him to fail at. He's the definition of somebody who is flailing and has no idea what to do. Uh, you know, you see this in any anywhere in the in, in society, whether it's you know in a business, in a you know in a in anything in school or whatever. You, you see it. Somebody who is in, supposedly in control has obviously lost control of what's going on. So their only reaction are two things. One, they can just give up all control and be like, screw it, I'm out. Or they can get micromanagement 
and go crazy. And that's what he's done. He's become a micromanager. He wants to step in and help out the defense. He wants to step in and call plays on offense. He wants to step in and take over special teams. Like he's become a micromanager because he doesn't know what else to do. He thinks that he just needs to go and do it himself, which again, if you're supposed to, if he's supposedly one of these quote unquote CEO head coaches, um, part of being the CEO is hiring good people under you who can do their job and being able to trust people to do their job. And if you as a CEO are going in and having to do work of your managers below you, you are not a good CEO. You are failing. So it is just another example of him failing, in my opinion. I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Ty Long attempting field goals on Sunday. <laughs> do you know what? He, he's just another person that has amazing kickoffs and then the most inconsistent player with his punts. Uh, it's, it's just a feature throughout our team. Uh, poorly coached, poorly executed. Um, you know, is bringing in a, a, a kicker from a arena football really the answer? Probably not. Probably not. Let's just drop one in the first round. Telesco be done. Um, <laughs> guys, what, what, what themes? Uh, have you got anything else you want to talk about uh, before I move on? No. Well, one thing I'd like to hear from you both is what you're working on on the website because we know a lot of our listeners are keen to hear what's coming up. So just working on uh, Sunday's game preview, try to look at the positives and, and find some keys to the game. Um, and then, as I think John has alluded to, we're going to start looking at the draft going down the line. So, so that's really good. Uh, we'll have our game day thread open on facebook.com at Charged Up Bolts uh, on Sunday. So great to hear all of, all of you getting involved with that. Yeah, yeah. We're just uh, we've got a lot of things cooking. Don't uh, don't worry about content uh, as the season is winding down and there is no hope for playoffs um, officially now. Even though Lynn was kindly enough to tell us there was no hope for playoffs a week early, <laughs> he's a visionary. What can I say? Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, we've got plenty of great content. We're obviously going to do some season recaps, which. You may or may not want to watch or uh, watch slash listen to slash read because they might be a little bit negative. Uh, but we're going to switch that gear. And I, I can tell you right now, there's a lot of positivity around the talent, around the draft, around the talent and free agency that's going to be popping up. So, you know, we're going to be working hard and getting that out. We're going to have a special draft guide exclusive um, for all of, all of you guys out there who listen to the pod and follow us on social media and on the website. There is a uh, there is a sign up page on the website for you to go to. Um, it is chargedupbolts.com backslash uh, 2021 draft guide. So look for that. You can sign up there. And um, it's actually 2021-draft-guide. I know that's a pain, but uh, we'll be tweeting out that link every once in a while. We already did previously on Facebook. I think we, we mentioned it. Um, but we're going to be putting that out there so you guys can sign up for that. And when it's ready, we'll make sure you're the first to get it. Uh, it is free. You don't have to pay anything. But if you want to, you know. If you want to send us some free tea to microwave, we'll be happy to take it. Um, <laughs> All tea accepted. Uh, so no lots, lots, exactly. We're lot, lots of stuff going on. Um, so you know, I hope you guys have enjoyed what we've done so far this season, and uh, you're excited for what we got coming up for you. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I mean, the off season is when it gets tasty. We we get a dose injected into our veins of hope, which right now we're we're running low off. So we will give you that injection. Uh, much like much like the COVID injection that is headed your way swiftly. Uh, let's hope it's not as painful. So, um, you know, guys, I've got a full analysis of the Chargers roster coming up in the next month. I'm going to talk you through position by position who I think we're going to sign, draft, keep, 
Um, so look forward to that, guys, as a big series. Uh, where are you on the socials? You can find me at endzone85 on Twitter. You can find the main charged.bolts.com uh, website on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. As always, you can find me at Adroid Airs, hashtag Audible Chocolate, hashtag Fire Them All. <laughs> you can find me at Bez the Spaniard, hashtag Not Abducted. Thanks, Was. Uh, if, if you wonder what I'm talking about, you have to check out Twitter. Um, and you can find the podcast at Charged Up Pod. Come and get involved. We love your questions. We love your interactions. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of us. And we'll speak to you next week. 